Welcome, everyone, to Anarchy in Space. Click. <laughs> this is episode number 17. I'm Nikki P here, as always, with Eric. Yes. Hyler. Present and accounted for. How are you doing today, Ben? Uh, doing okay. Uh, other than, you know, fixing a lawnmower in 98 degree heat. Uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers. That sounds like the kind of thing you set on fire. Don't fix it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, uh, I love electronics nowadays because they have uh, coated uh, wire insulation with soy product. So it just drives the rats nuts and they love it until they chew on it and figure out there's nothing but copper inside and then they leave it alone. They do some some work on it beforehand, though. <laughs> Wasn't it car that had like the uh, <laughs> the mice chewing on his like wires in his car? Yeah, my, he. <laughs> He was so funny about that because he was like, uh, it's definitely bigger than a mouse. Uh, there's something crawling up in there. And we all wanted to say it was the road toad, but he was having none of that. But 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 in reality, we know it was the road toad, right? Yeah, of course. That's a total road toad move. That fucking road toad, man. He's just doing road toad shit. Yes, under the direction of Dark Tom Woods, I'm sure. So, anyways, <laughs> this is on episode number seven of season two of The Expanse. And what an episode this was. See, I, I, I warned you in the last one, uh, all hell breaks loose at that point in the series. Just shit's constantly flying at you. You don't know what to make of it. You just kind of take the ride. Yep. And this episode definitely proves me right. Cause holy shit. <laughs> yeah. A lot of crazy stuff. Uh, starts off with, uh, with Gunny waking up in her, uh, power armor and, uh, finding a couple more, uh, Martian Marines coming towards her and she's trying to figure out what the hell just happened to her that was kind of fun let's take a few moments to appreciate how ridiculous that opening scene is where like they have the blood snowflakes yeah blood snowflakes yeah <laughs> like she just looks out and sees like all of the space station that was above them is all just pieces of just a debris filled yeah yeah and then there's blood snowflakes falling around her yeah there's a lot to take in visually going on because when they first showed the snowflake it's got a red tinge to it and you're like wait is this blood why why is blood falling as a snowflake you know and then it makes sense once you see where it lands and so the last thing she saw was some weird disembodied man not in a space suit right and now she's got people her, her military guys yelling at her and she's just watching blood fall over everywhere mm, yeah what's she gonna do with herself i, I don't know <laughs> Yeah, talk about, you know, that uh, feeling that you get when you wake up suddenly and then you have like that half moment of uh, where the hell am I? So try to imagine that. I've been times I've, 100. <laughs> I've had a lot of waking dreams. So, yeah, those are fun. Yeah, they're usually pretty cool. Yeah. Lots of time spent in hell. <laughs> I was dating the devil's daughter. That's what happens, you know. Yep. So yeah, it's really, really awesome because it gets you like some some amazing planetscape, like let, lets you really kind of soak in the world that we're in, gives yeah. you a good appreciation of the vastness and remoteness of what's going on here. Yeah. And then she sees, you know, some military men telling her, "All right, chill out. You're the only ones alive. Let's go." <laughs> yeah, really. And most of the rest of the uh, episode for Gunny is just being either drugged or, you know having the Spanish Inquisition come at her about what she saw. 
Yeah. And then there was a little bit, a brief moment of, are you sure you saw a six or seven? You know, they're trying to maybe get her to second guess what she had seen. And then uh, when it got to the part where she was talking about the drone flying overhead and it was like, are you sure there was a drone? Because we aren't showing that anywhere on our scopes. Yeah. There's no record of it. Which means somebody has some good stealth tech. Yep. We know that that fits in line with what we've been seeing from other people. Yep. Or the Martians covered something up, which is also a possibility, I guess. It is a possibility. So the other thing is uh, they're, they're trying to get her to say what she saw. She's having difficulty remembering. Eventually, they pull out whatever drug it is that they use to do their interrogations. Right. Or they all get super focused. Yeah. They give her that drug now to interrogate herself, presumably. Right. I'm not clear on what that drug actually does. That It could work for the interrogator or the interrogatee. Yeah, it was a it's almost like an Uber Adderall. But on her end, it was allowing her to have perfect recall of her memories without it getting clouded by other stuff. Yeah. And so she goes back and is trying to reiterate what she sees. Yeah. And it's kind of the thing I love about this with her is the mind fuck of it. Yeah. Because Gunny's the perfect soldier. She is down, down for whatever it takes, waiting for the war. Please bring me the war. You cannot get me to war with the Earthers fast enough. And so she is more than content to go with what her brain is remembering, which is I saw seven of them. They were shooting it, firing at us. Let's go fucking kill them. Send us to Earth. Let's just start murdering. Right. But when they when she goes back and actually sees what happened, what she sees is six things running from the seventh and sees them not firing on her. But, but firing back at the seventh thing that's chasing him. Yes. Now, what that means, good. who the hell knows at this point? Right. But what it's going to mean is that for the sake of maintaining some semblance of peace in, in you know, the solar system, her superior, superior gives her a purple heart and then says, yeah, now you're going to Earth and you're going to lie about what happened. And you're yeah. going to say that we <laughs> fired on Earth. And Gunny, being the good little soldier that she is... It is really, really having to fight a battle internally. So, well, how, why would I say that? Like, how can I say that? Like, they they fired first. We didn't fire first. Like, we wouldn't fire on that. Like, right. we're, that's not us. We're we're good. They're bad. Yeah. From you know, yeah, sure, they didn't fire at us, but they were firing. That counts, right? Yeah, yeah. And from her perspective, when it was happening in the moment, the UN Marines were charging the line. Yes. So, and that's what she was basing everything off of. Yes, and and now she's like she now knows that what she thought was the case is not the case, and she's trying to piece together what she saw with the man not in a spacesuit, and what is what are the implications <laughs> right. of that? But all of that is at odds with we're the good guys that are the bad guys, because now the whole thing is is well in this case is anybody the bad guys? It looks like we're all whatever <laughs> what something else was out there that's not one of us. Yeah. Or is this Earth testing a new weapon and they were willing to let their own people go? Like, there's there's things that she can be working through in her head, like, to justify what happened. You know, for as far as she's yeah. they probably were testing some super weapon and, oh, fuck it, they're, they're evil enough, they'll kill their own men to test something. Yeah, which the, the U.S. military does all the time. Uh, they test things, so they'll have, like, red cell and blue cell type stuff. So it's not outside of the realm of possibility. And if the Martian Marines were any good, they would have the same kind of shit going on. Well, and, and we know for a fact that both of them have admitted within the show, the course of it, that they, they all do this stuff. Right. You know, and that's why they can expect the other one to do it same as they do. It's what I love about it is because in this entire series so far, you've seen Gunny is just a very, very driven soldier. Yeah. Single, single focus on invading Earth at some Ex point. Exactly. And now... Yeah. I know it happens in the next episode and it's going to be, it's really going to be a mind fuck for how we, how we 
deal with her character and all of this because yep. like she's now the thing that can prevent or create a war with earth. Yeah. Like based on whatever she says in that meeting, she can create war or prevent war between earth and Mars. And we're talking about someone whose entire life's purpose was to go to war with Mars. And so does she do what she thinks is the right thing to do and force that war? Or does she do what her superiors tell her to do and make sure the war doesn't happen? Yeah. It's so she's in a tough, tough situation, politically speaking. Yeah. But moreover, like the thing, like it's going to maintain the trajectory toward war. She's going to have to lie about something she knows to be true. Yeah. So we've already uh, planted the seed of cognitive dissonance in her. Yes. So beyond Gunny, what else do we got going on in this episode? Uh, there's a little bit of uh, political turmoil on Tycho Station when uh, Anderson Dawes comes to town. Ooh, Anderson Dawes. <laughs> I can barely understand what the fuck that guy says through most of this series. <laughs> his, his like half Jamaican, half Chinese pigeon, whatever the fuck it is that he speaks. Yeah, a little belter talk or whatever it is. Belter ease. <laughs> yeah, I wish was reading up, like, reading on like what the language actually is that they speak. Because there's a couple of different distinct languages that people speak. My favorite is is like the like Alex's people, like the because a lot of there's a lot of Indian people on Mars. So a little bit of Hindi gets thrown in around some of the stuff. But but it's also Hindi by way of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so Hindi with a southern drawl on it. Yeah, well, if you've never paid attention, like there's like a cowboy element to Alex that he puts in the character, right? And it's because of like within the context of the story that. Indian people eventually migrated to Texas and like there was a diaspora from there. Yeah. Which I'm assuming has something to do with, uh, in particular NASA being there. Yeah. That you got a lot of those people that would have went from NASA up to the Mars <laughs> station, you know, shit like that. Yeah. In general, I'm just kind of always in love with the language shit that goes on in this, you know, and then Kara Gee can say whatever she wants in whatever language and it's going to be hot. Right. You can try and stab me. Yep. It's going to be sexy. But so Anderson Dawes is on the station. And the reason Anderson's on the station is because Fred Johnson wants to try and corral the OPA. Yeah. All of the factions into a united front. And he wants to take the little bit of leverage that they've eked out in this whole game. All the shit that's been going on to try and force Earth and Mars to allow them a hand at the table. Yeah. Allow them to sit there and, I mean, it's, it's the whole North Korea thing. When the, the reason North Korea will never, ever get rid of nukes is because that's why they get to fucking participate. Yeah. If they don't have those nukes, we just bomb the shit out of them. Yeah, because okay. I saw what happened to Gaddafi when he gave up his nukes. Yep. And and we're we're basically seeing the effect of that on... You know, with the belters in this, they they've got their nukes. They've got the yeah the thing that allows them to do damage if need be, and that's yeah. Oh, maybe we uh, kind of missed why they were all uh, talking there. It was because the thirty missiles uh, got all rounded up by uh, Fred Johnson. Yeah. So now he has Earth's missiles. There, that is the case. Yeah. Um. There's also the fact that like they kind of technically they also have the leverage of they saved Earth in this case. Right. Now, the issue being is that with any good anarchist commune that the, the Belters are, they, uh, right. It's just like an LP, LP, you know, uh, Facebook group, you know, everyone's <laughs> just fucking arguing and talking past each other <laughs> and lobbying for their particular form of justice. And yeah, chairman gets to yell, eat a dick from the stage. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and, and, the part of the issue is that you've got you're, you have the Fred Johnsons and the um, 
Holden, James Holden's of the world that were are essentially former Earthers. And you, you have you get to see like some of the racial allegory in this because once an earther, always an earther, that kind of shit, you know, you can't take yeah. the earther out of who you are. You can you can be an ally for the belt, but you're never gonna be one of us. It doesn't matter what you do or how you do it. You're always gonna be someone that we tolerate. Yeah, well even the uh, the Martian Inquisitor said, he goes, I always trained at one G, but when I was actually at Earth, you just feel this weight constantly pulling you down and it also pulls down your spirits. And we're like, you know, as somebody who's experienced all of forty one years on this planet, it doesn't really feel like that. But <laughs> it's just interesting how they uh, how they seek the other just you came from there. You know, that was, that was your home base at one point. Yeah, no, it's uh it's interesting. Now what is a little frightening or frustrating in this episode is that uh so Pretty early on, they established the the Holden, um, what's her name? Naomi. Yeah, Naomi. Trist. Well, now we're starting to see some cracks in that. Yeah. Because no matter who they are, there is those old old allegiances to where you come from. And, oh, my God, like watching that is just so frustrating because you just see so much of that and what's going on in the world today. Yeah. It's just like you, no, no one wants to give up their fucking little little piece of history everyone just wants to fucking cling to whatever identity that they've created for themselves right and and it's weird i know it's personally weird to me because like i i don't know i i look up to people like david bowie that just constantly fucking reinvented their identity i never wanted to be the same person from day to day true and too many fucking people cling to this this notion of permanence in something that's very impermanent like i don't know who the fuck i'll be tomorrow i don't know why anyone would, would, would care you know yeah and that actually gets addressed in this episode with the uh, the scientist and uh, amos well and that's exactly we kind of glossed over that but amos yeah. has a moment and this is it was a frightening moment in the show because you're just like part of the joy of amos is understanding who he is and like perhaps having a grip on reality but not the tightest grip right and so he has a moment where he feels bad about something that he's a part of. And it was not a real big deal. Like he just, he made a woman feel afraid and then her son, you know, kind of lashed out. Right. And he remembers being able to feel like that. And he doesn't feel that anymore. And so he goes to talk to our, our good doctor <laughs> yeah. about the procedure he had so that he no longer has feelings or emotions. And, uh, I, I, why don't you describe how he described it? Cause I, I think you actually had a really good take on it. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, so the the good doctor um, believes that not all of the proto molecule has been destroyed because he's still getting information from it. So when Amos comes to talk to him about the procedure that he had, um, the doctor says, so, well, it's just like this proto molecule. It just moves forward. It just forgets whatever was in the past. And so like he was talking about Amos and his mother, he goes, well, all of that pain and hurt, you've learned to move past it. You cauterized it. And this is exactly, yeah, cauterized it. And this is what the proto molecule does. It just moves forward. And, you know, he, every little bit of conversation with the scientist guy always goes back to, uh, goes back to the proto molecule and, you know, the important work that needs to be done with it. Well, and what's, well, it's not even so much that it doesn't go back. It's that it unmakes everything and then makes it better. Right. And that's kind of, you know, and he uses himself as an allegory. That's what I did to myself. He's like, I, I think about all the time I wasted with my mother as she died. Yeah. You know, dealing with her pissing and shitting herself when I could have been doing this great work. Yeah. And I mean, I will say there's, there's something to that. You know, the idea that, you know, you could be doing something more productive with your life. You could be doing a lot of things differently while you're kind of, Dealing with the emotions, like, but in the same time, it kind of it makes you ask that Tom Woods question. So, what's the point of life? Is it just extending life, or is it the 
the joy and the art and everything that we have that's part of the human experience while we're here? What really does it mean to be human? Right. Yeah, you can have all of your wants fulfilled, but if you're sitting in a prison cell while that's happening, I mean, what's the point then? I can't remember what podcast I was listening to the other day, but they made it. They they made were talking about a, a it was an old uh, cartoon or whatever, and it, they made a joke about you're sitting in these boxes giving you exactly the amount of nourishment that you need, and you're stuck in this jo- jelly and yeah, you know, you, you we live to be biologically 150 because they take care of everything so perfectly. Yeah, but you live in a thing of jelly and you have no experiences in your life. You're yeah. literally just. <laughs> physical life yeah um but you know he tries to tell he tell you know he tells him it's painless i mean for all the things that you you're genuinely question whether or not he's going to do it and at the end of the episode we don't know if he does it or not did did amos go and get the the, the procedure yeah it was kind of up in the air because we just didn't see him again after that yeah yep never went back to it i don't i don't know <laughs> but you know can you imagine having that like you can you never have to feel again. You never have to like every decision you make can be a logical decision. Yeah. And you can do it with with, you know, perfect clarity. Cuz that's what the guy said is that he's like he's like I knew 5 minutes after it happened. You know, he's like it's not permanent at first, you know, but you can make it permanent. Yeah, he was like I made that decision within the first 5 minutes. And you're like, "Okay." Cuz it was it was like watching all the noise go away. Yeah. Which is I mean, if you're a scientist, like that's God, can you can you expect or hope for anything better than that? <laughs> it's he it, it said it's a, it's 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 weird, man. Like, but you're also looking at the ravings of a madman too. Like, this, <laughs> he's, I, did he does he like refer to Amos as being broken in there? Because like, I feel like that's something that mm. I remember, and that's always the way that I, I I think of Amos as just someone who's broken. Yeah, yeah, I think he did refer to him, and and this is maybe like not like to, say it outright, but yeah. So you got all that going on, and we're going to find out hopefully soon if Amos is a mindless robot from here on out, <laughs> which wouldn't be much different, but slightly different. Yeah, that might come come into play. I mean, he... Because uh, shortly after this, the scientist is then absconded with by Anderson Dawes. What? <laughs> and and how do they pull it off? The classic magician's trick, misdirection. Yep. They send the, they send the curly-haired kid. Yeah, to take off in his ship. Mm-hmm. And then so by the time the uh, Rosinante catches up with him. Dawes is gone someplace else. Gone Pacon. Now, you you have like all this shit that's going on. And Dawes is trying to find somebody on this ship. Eventually, he ends up kind of settling on the kid. Yeah. But he spends most of the episode kind of like visiting key people. Yeah. Who, would, who might know stuff and trying to discern what everybody knows and has. Yeah, he was he was canvassing for information big time. You know, he, he's so fucking charming yeah. when he does this shit. Like, he's just, even when he's on the ship and, like, he sets Holden off. Like, I mean, he's he's a, a perfect picture of just, you know, <clears throat> being the nice guy. He's so magnanimous. Yeah. But you, you know that he's fucking conniving as shit. So everything he's doing. Yeah, you definitely don't want to cross him. Yeah. yeah. Every, literally everything he's doing is very specifically just to fucking get what he wants out of people. It's uh right. I, I love his character. I love that I can't understand most of what he says. <laughs> really makes you have to muse about it, you know? You have to really yeah. think. <laughs> get pretty imaginative about what some of the belter terms mean, you know. <laughs> <sighs> You're fucking lying there. So let's see what else is going on in this particular episode. We've got uh Alex, oh, that's one thing we didn't touch on. So Alex is kind of like finally falling into line as a, a pilot, a real pilot, you know? 
Right. Kind of enjoying his little 15 minutes of fame, too. So, yeah, that's he's always going to be that guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's it's to me, it was real interesting seeing him because if you remember when the series started, he was a, a glorified bus driver. Pretty much. Yeah. Is is how he described himself. And now, he, you know, he's up there and he's he's doing all the things that they're doing. And, you know, he's making making battle decisions and you know, dis- describing scenarios and how they were going to get through and cut off so-and-so. It makes for a really, really interesting character arc for him. Yeah. Like, he's kind of like his confidence is building up. and Yeah, because he's finally getting to do the stuff that he wanted to do in the Martian Navy. Yeah, that he never got a chance to do. Right. Well, and we haven't met up, met up with his ex-wife yet, right? No, I don't think so. He's only, like, talked okay. about it. Well, yeah, there's going to be... Yeah, well, there's some some baggage and shit there that we will unpack when the time comes. You don't say. I mean, he let her believe that he was dead. So, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) he's got a kid and stuff, too. Right. Um, But yeah, he uh, he said he just loves fucking loves flying more than anything. You know, it's not that he doesn't love his family, just loves flying more. Yeah, that's super weird. (laughs) Um, But now he's he's the living embodiment of the song Brandy. (laughs) <laughs> um so you got a little bit of that going on i'm trying to think what else is there hava sarala we have a few moments with where she's kind of try. she's the one that convinces the uh, leader of the un to have the summit with mars even you yeah, have a peace summit yes even though what's his name is fucking yeah true. aaron wright was like are you kidding do you want foot massages too yeah yeah he he was like instantly trying to poo poo it <laughs> he's he wants war so bad yeah. And I think the reason he wants war is because it'll draw attention away from what is the inevitable, like seeing what the fuck he did. Yeah. What he was doing with protogen and all that. Yeah. Yes. Please let them start bombing the shit out of each other. So all that can disappear. We can forget yeah. it. Forget about it. You know, it'll, you can, lots of, lots of things can get, uh, disappeared during war. Yeah. So all in all, like, I mean, it's, it's a really, really good episode. Um, Everyone, everyone's dealing with some really heavy shit because you, you got Gunny who's dealing with like her position now being the yeah. person that's going to decide if this war happens. You've got uh, the secrets between Naomi and Holden kind of eating away at each other. Yeah, there's a little bit of, you know, snipping back and forth. You've got, uh, so Anderson Dawes definitely kind of lit a fire, so to speak, under the buns of, uh, what's her name's character, their drummer. Yeah. He kind of trying to, oh, you deserve more than this. You're better than this. You know, you've yeah. got some fucking Earther's lap dog, that kind of shit. Yeah. And there's definitely a certain amount of with her character that that, you know, it eats away at her. But in the same way, she's such a, gosh, she's such a complicated character because like, you never quite get <laughs> in there and see her like for what she really is. Yeah. There's a lot more going on behind the face than than what she's showing. Because she's like a, she she is a what do you call it? She second. She's an always second in command. Yeah. So this far, and you get the impression, like even Doss says it. You know, well, I get the impression that you're the person that really runs things up here. And I'm imagining there's definitely some truth to that because I don't think that Fred Johnson could lead a fucking space station full of belters unless he had someone that they could listen to, right? And justify it not being from him. Yeah. So, uh, do we miss anything in this episode? Uh, other than the particulars of Anderson Dawes' little socialism speech with, uh, you know, oh, the more yeah. you share, the more your bowl will be full, which. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I had a good laugh. I had to I had to pause the episode. I just laughed. I was like, no, history says otherwise, buddy. <laughs> well, it's uh, it was definitely a moment where I'm like, oh, God, and comes. <laughs> yeah. So close and yet so, so very so far, far away. away. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I did did take note of it when it happened. Like it was just literally like, oh, oh my God, you guys. Um, I'm kind of curious. So where do you where do you see things going from this point? Like what what the hell is going on? Like do you have any mm. any kind of big guesses? Yeah. So since uh, I haven't watched any of the rest of the episodes because I'm you know I'm trying to re- to remain uh, not spoiled, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I, I see the um, the proto molecule is definitely much more of a problem. The the worst the worst part is is I know you're gonna go back and have to watch it again because there's so fucking much and like I'm watching it a second time and I'm still <laughs> catching shit that I missed. Yeah, probably. That's uh, that's probably just gonna happen. Uh, so yeah, I see that the uh, the proto molecule definitely is uh, wasn't all completely destroyed. I think they had other stuff that was kind of in hiding uh, based on the fact that the uh, UN Marines were shooting at one of them. <laughs> well, remember that Naomi kept a thing of it. Yeah, it's still sitting in an asteroid, and yeah. she she pretended to shoot a rocket into the sun but she didn't so it's still hanging out there yeah that's still out there um which is part of why i think that she's having the issues with holden that she's having because she knows that yeah and when dawes was kind of coming at her like she knew and there's a part of her that's still a belter still opa and still wants to fucking i mean she you can i don't remember it coming across when i watched the series the first time being as pronounced as it is but man she really does fucking hate earth yeah yeah she doesn't like it at all yeah and and I don't recall, like, I don't recall when I watched it the first time really taking note of how pronounced that is a part of her character. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so that'll be interesting to see what happens with her and Holden coming up. It will be. Uh, trying to think what else, what else, uh, could be interesting to see what Anderson Dawes is going to do with the scientist guy now that he's, uh, now that he's kidnapped him along with his guards who probably were in on it. I'd have to imagine. So good, good, good question. Yep. Well, and meanwhile, we haven't seen uh, Mao in a while. Yeah, he's uh, ever since he told Aaron Wright to go fuck himself. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mao has gone back underground, I guess, to continue whatever work he had. Yeah, you're not you're not important to me. I will get the job done by any means necessary. Cause that's how we roll. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm not going to let my daughter's death be in vain. Yeah, man, the the, the people are so complicated. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, well, they are in real life too. But I mean, when you're watching it on the screen. And you're like, oh, man, there's just like talk about an onion. So many layers that you got to peel away. Well, and that's exactly it. You're just watching fucking person after person like have complicated emotions. I think that another re- one of the reasons I know I bring it up every episode, but like one of the things that feels so honest about this is that you, you genuinely get to see the kind of play between nationalism and, you know. Yeah. You know what 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 things mean to people personally in this series. Like, you don't get a lot of that in other series. Like, Bobby has literally has to be honest with herself or do what her country wants, you know? And more importantly, be honest with herself by what she wants or honest with herself about what she believes. Like, there's just so many fucking layers to this story. Yeah. And I just don't feel like you get a whole ton of, like, real serious introspection and characters in a lot of shows. Yeah. So it's a lot of exposition to go through, but the show excels at it. So I, I mean, I could take a few guesses as to what I see happening over the, you know, after this point in the series, but you know, I'm kind of at a loss. I, I have no idea where it's going to go, folks. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you throw the specs at us and we'll get some of the, uh, the fundamentals. Oh, yes. 
knew you were going to ask for that. I guess I should have had that pulled up, huh? Hmm. Uh, no, because I'll just delete this part out of the episode anyway. Yeah. As far as the listener is concerned, that's just going to happen like right in a second. So <laughs> typically does. So I do apologize. I should have had that pulled up already. <laughs> no, you're good, man. <laughs> show prep live on the show. What? All right. So season two, episode seven, titled The Seventh Man, uh, is directed by Kenneth Fink, written by Georgia Lee, came out March 8th, 2017. And uh, big disappointment. It was a ratings uh, dump. So it went from a 0.625 on the last episode to a 0.451 in this one. His ratings make no fucking sense whatsoever. Right. <laughs> like, you, what did you do? Did you literally get a, like, was the advertising for the episode? Don't watch this episode. <laughs> and it's, you know, the season's halfway done at this point. You would have think it would have gotten a little bit more going forward, but <sighs> sci-fi don't know how to advertise, I guess. Well, they've, they've only, I think they got what, one more season with sci-fi after this. So, I mean, they kept them around. Yeah. Season three is with, yeah, with sci-fi and then season four goes to Amazon. So, hmm. There is and there is a fundamental change stylistically between three and four. Like you can definitely tell Amazon money jumped in. Yeah. But probably looks a little bit more uh a little more slick, I imagine. Well more than anything is they amp up the bleakness a lot. <laughs> it gets dark and gritty. Oh, it's no, it's Season three is going to be dark and gritty. Season four is just like, oh, Jesus Christ, put a fucking bullet in me, please. <laughs> it's like there's no hope ever. Well, progressively, like as you read book after book in the series, I mean, it, at a certain point, I mean, what, where we're, even from where we're at right now, to presume that the proto-molecule is going to be something that sticks around. Is there any reason to think that it's not going to evolve past humanity in any capacity, if it keeps like we when we first saw it, it was a goo. Yeah, and now we're seeing like it's a fucking being. Yeah. Well, what comes next? I mean, does this thing just become like you know it has the ability to modify and change physics to its whim? Like whatever it is. Yeah, they modified an entire asteroid to be a spaceship. So so whatever it is, humanity's not going to stand much of a chance against it yeah. if it manages to. Kind of Borg some shit, we'll just say, you know, kind yeah. of build what it is. Resistance is futile. It's a, I mean, <clears throat> I don't want to point anything out, but it is something that lives off of nuclear energy that we just dropped in the middle of a planet that's made of nuclear energy. So, right. You know, you, you do with that what you will <laughs> and think of the implications. Yeah. It's a, doesn't, doesn't look good going forward. So thing basically, if you just think of from a strictly linear time standpoint, things are only going to get worse and worse for people in this ordeal. <laughs> and I think eventually, like, I think that there's all this quibbling right now between the different factions. And it's, it just seems like I don't I'm not saying everyone should work together necessarily. Yeah, but at least recognize at some point you're going to have a common enemy. Yeah. Or, or you know, say, hey, maybe we should just stop shitting on each other and. Mind our own business for the task at hand. Yeah, really. Like, <laughs> like just something like that. <laughs> so, all right, folks. Well, this is uh, this has been a number number another episode of Anarchy in Space. Hope you liked it. If you do enjoy it, tell your friends. If you want to hear more of me and Eric, you can always check me out over at Peace Freaks or Free Market Screen Earth, or you can check out Eric over at the Rebel with a Cause podcast. Yes. So go on and you know prosper and freedom in life and stuff. I don't know whatever <laughs> they say at the end of. Science fiction shows. <laughs> yeah, live long and prosper or some shit.
What if, what if Spock had like had a real deep voice? It had been Leonard. Wait, tell you what. Let's imagine an alternate Star Trek <laughs> where instead of uh, instead of Leonard Nimoy, we have James Earl Jones as Spock. Interesting. Interesting. I could definitely see it. Do you think it works? Think it Kirk, makes for that is highly illogical. I don't know. And just and it's that big booming voice trying to have no emotion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 